This is the Cubs Related Podcast. My name is Corey. I am joined, as always, by Brendan, and we are coming to you on Tuesday, February 22nd. And Brendan, guess what? (sighs) I know. I know. This is another podcast covering (laughs) labor negotiations, which I know is 100% what all of you are looking forward to and download our episodes for because you just love economics and uh, union discussions and things like that, right? When will this end, Corey? When will this end? Maybe three more weeks I'm thinking about. I mean, at least they're talking now. They weren't talking more than 15 minutes the past few weeks, so they're talking now. Right. So the deadline, of course, is February 28th to have everything done so that they can get the uh, amount of spring training time in that is required and keep opening day on pace for where it is now. So, of course, that is like six days away. And they have committed, at least I saw a tweet from John Heyman uh, suggesting this, that they are going to meet every day. So far this week, they have uh, met every day, and those meetings have been quite lengthy. So uh, I think last week, maybe there was a meeting that was like 15 minutes long, and everyone was freaking out. Uh, But these have been hours, I believe, including breaks and then getting back. So we're going to talk a little bit about where they are and some of the progress that we made, and then we're going to continue looking at some of the free agent landscape and just some of the stuff uh, that you know may be on the table or not for the Cubs once things resume. Uh, because it, it is fair to say now at this point, there, there's really no way around this, Brendan. Like when, when this all began, there was maybe a question of how this was going to go, but with how little time is remaining, like free agency and the rest of the off season, so to speak, yeah. is going to be quick. It's going to be a whirlwind. Very fast, which will be kind of fun, actually, you know, to have like maybe two or three weeks where it's nonstop rumors left and right. At least at least when this is over, there will be a huge amount of excitement. This, this is a tough thing for, um, you know, we obviously like to structure during the season that we record before and after every series. We've been doing that for like five years now. Because it makes the most sense, right? The the series are nice bookends, and it gives you something to talk about and look forward to and all of that. This has been tough because we were talking last week when there was like a report that they were going to get together on, I think it was Wednesday or Thursday. We were like, well, okay, let's wait because yeah. what if they reach a deal or what if they, they, you know, talks break off or something crazy and we have like an episode that comes out like an hour beforehand and then they ended up meeting and nothing happened. <laughs> so we were like waiting and nothing happened. Anyway, it's all just to say we we obviously don't like to take a week off, but there was just nothing going on. So yeah, um, I mean, we've said it in years past too. There's nothing to talk about. We're not going to waste people's time. Like right. there's there's nothing to talk Maybe about. Maybe a little bit today, but you know. Yeah. Well, I mean, that was what? The first week we've taken off? In a like- while, yeah. I think maybe what six years, Corey? Seriously, here I don't remember I we, not recording. Yeah, I, I don't know. Certainly never during the season. But, no, um, never. Yeah. Anyway, it's all just to say we were kind of waiting for something to happen. I think hopelessly, right? Uh, hopelessly against hope, and then nothing happened, and we we're like, oh, okay. I guess we, <laughs> I guess we could have talked about <laughs> yeah. something. But uh, anyway. So thank you for that. Uh, Where we are is, like I said, they've been meeting this week, uh, long, hour-long meetings. I believe Ian Happ, uh, who is the Cubs PA representative, was there today and and part of the players portion of the group to be involved. And I'm just going to read this uh, two-set tweet from Jeff Passan. I think it sums things up and hopefully explains, you know, just what the progress was today. He says, another day of small moves on the labor front. The MLBPA dropped its ask from 80% of two-plus players receiving salary arbitration to 75%. Additionally, the union bumped the major league minimums slightly while sticking with 775000 in the first year and went from eight picks in the lottery to seven. And then he goes on to say, perhaps the most important, the union did not move on the CBT. That has been the lodestar of past negotiations and is shaping up to be the same this time around. The sides will meet for the third consecutive day on Wednesday in Jupiter with the clock ticking towards the February 28th deadline. So 
my takeaway, at least from this week so far, is that it sounds like they're making some progress. There, there's been at least movement on some of these smaller issues. But as Passon points out in that second tweet, the key is the competitive balance tax, the, the luxury tax and what those numbers look like. And some, you know, some of those more meatier financial issues, right? Because all of this stuff is is fine, but if they can't come to an agreement there, none of this matters, right? Yeah. So at some point, they have to get to the big stuff. And if we're getting little bits of progress like we are these last couple of days, then great. But when they get to the big stuff, that's the point where you are going to be kind of nervously watching because that's the point where either they're going to make progress and they're going to find an ability to bridge that gap or you're going to get talks have broken off right. type tweets, right. right? Yeah. Well, there's other tweets out there that signals maybe it's not, like progress is good, right? The fact that they're, they're, that they're at the table for hours talking, whereas, you know, last week, 15 minutes, you're in, you're out, That that is progress. But still, when you hear and read tweets, for example, from Jim Bowden, who is basically feeding his audience what the owners are thinking and saying, and Jim Bowden said, quote, it's really disappointing that the MLBPA moved backwards for the third time in these negotiations, this time on minimums. MLB once again suggested third-party mediation, and that was rejected. I'm not sure how MLB could respond positively to a backwards proposal like today's, but hopefully they will, end quote. And that was tweeted out at 5.30 p.m. Central Chicago time today. So, you know, not everyone is still thrilled with how everything's going and time is running thin. So I don't, like personally from my end, I don't know how to interpret it. I know you and I were talking earlier today that, hey, maybe this is a good thing, right? Like even seeing, you know, concessions, if you want to call them that, I I don't know, but concessions in the media being made, I thought that was good. But apparently for some owners and reading in between the lines, it still seems hostile. And that gives me a sense of pause that maybe at any moment we could be taking steps backwards. But I guess the, the majority of people's perceptions seem to be it's slightly skewed towards positivity, but that's just based on how much negativity we've seen in the last couple of weeks here. Right. And I think the optimism is also just the fact that they're actually meeting Every day, for I mean, they're hours talking. at a time. Yeah. You know, we went; it was months where they just weren't doing anything. Which, yeah. you know, I think will be something that obviously people look back on and are like, "Okay, well, it's it's great that there's this sense of urgency a week before this this deadline." But where was this in January or December? But I do; I am surprised they're doing this now. Like, I thought they would. I was in a dark place last week, but I, I thought they were they would just not talk until March. Like I thought spring training would just be like a foregone conclusion that it's done, not just delayed, mm-hmm. but like done. So at least even hearing they're going to be meeting this consistently, that's just based on my negativity, but I am a little encouraged based on that. Well, they have to. I mean, that's what didn't make sense about the... the they, such... Did they have to? Like, well, seriously, I, mean, I don't I, know I if they did. I guess what I'm saying is, is that even if we're still waiting for them to get to the biggest of issues and unsure if there's you know, going to be uh, a way to fix that or if there's going to be too big of sticking points, whatever it is, like you have to meet with one another. You have to exchange proposals to even be engaged in the process. But right? they weren't even doing if they, that. Even if they're not close. <laughs> yeah, but they weren't doing that last week. So I thought, okay, we're just gonna we're gonna go through February without talking. That's fine. And then and then spring will be gone and then we'll start games late. Like mm-hmm. I still think that's probably going to happen, but I just did not anticipate the process beginning now. Like well, even, I mean I think, you know, I'm urgency negative, urgency typically is a, a great motivator in any negotiation or deal making right yeah. you're you're up against a clock now and how much each you know again like i think the players have issues that they're going to stick to and if they're not being met in the middle or, or close to where they want them i i do think they'll hold out until they get them yeah. same as the owners you know you you have to ask yourself you know how much do uh games in april which for a lot of these teams assuredly don't sell well right how much do they care about missing those games if it means agreeing to 
a CBA that affects them more on their bottom line in the long run, right? These are questions we can't answer. And that's kind of the weird part about sort of observing these negotiations from afar, basically just via Twitter, right? Is that you have different reporters who are clearly on one side or the other, right? And and whether that's influenced by pay, you know, whose payroll they're on or otherwise, I don't know. But you have to kind of sift through all of that first, right? And say, okay, well, like this is obviously a one-sided viewpoint, or this is obviously a biased viewpoint. But then we only get these like little tidbits. Like I think they were meeting for several hours over the last two days, Monday and Tuesday, as we record this on Tuesday night. And we only get like little snippets of what actually happened. I think that's a good thing. No, but I'm but I'm saying as a fan, it, it just becomes very difficult. That's why you saw like today in particular was like a roller coaster of people being like, oh, I'm optimistic. And then those yeah. tweets that you read came out and they're like, oh, I'm not optimistic anymore. <laughs> And it just becomes very difficult to like understand how you're supposed to feel about this because I like you get like today if you if you're just looking at Jeff Passan's feed right there was those two tweets that I read that's it and you just kind of have to decipher where these negotiations are based on like these little tidbits of information it's just a weird spot to be in as a fan yeah and I feel like with Bowden because he's on the other side of the spectrum right where he's being I mean quite clearly influenced by whatever ownership group but to that point like how many owners is is he representing there is it a few owners is that truly representative of the entire ownership group i i don't know and i was listening to ian Hap talk about this and i feel as if to your point about the reporters and getting information from different people and reporting what they have most of them seem to be reporting the same stuff and it's hard to interpret that even if the details are few and far but what Hap was saying is in this in today's culture, everyone has social media. The players have social media. So you're seeing Manfred blasting more. So at least from like my end, we haven't seen the players within the, within the last 48 hours express severe displeasure with the negotiations, again, of the last 48 hours. So I think that's a good sign, right? Like just being quiet is good, but... I, I mean, at this point, I don't want to hear anything, right? Like, I don't want to hear any negativity. If it's positive, just keep it in-house, keep the negotiations going, keep meeting for hours, and then maybe we'll all be pleasantly surprised. Yeah, it's uh, it's not great. And and I, I do want to read um, a little snippet from uh, Brett Taylor over at Bleacher Nation. And he, he wrote just kind of of the stuff today, um, you know, so uh, a few of the huge gaps have become slightly less big, which is good. Uh, but then he goes on to point out the gaps on pre-R bonus pool, 115 million versus 20 million, the draft lottery, seven teams versus four teams being in that lottery for the top picks, the minimum salary, 775,000 to 630,000, revenue sharing changes, arbitration eligibility, super two status, stuff like that. They're still really big. So even though there's been some movement and you've been reading about, you know, the sides, and, and, and the players maybe being willing to move their agreeable, uh, you know, level in in the right direction, they're, they're still quite a bit of ways on some of yeah. those issues. And as everybody has pointed out, that's without talking about the biggest issue. So, ah, uh, yeah, I, I... Well, I mean, now you're making it sound more negative, right? I think like, it is. I well, it dep- I mean, relative to what? I think they'll play eventually. I don't think that we're going to be in a spot where, like, the, the season eventually. is canceled. But, like, I think, dude, they have six days to iron this out. I mean, some of those gaps are pretty big, and we don't even know where they are on the luxury tax. I don't and know. Then you're, and then you're, you also have the risk, right, that, like, th- you might have differing views within the sides on, on the luxury tax, right? Like we don't even know. There might be some owners who have taken a real hard line stance on some of this stuff. And even if a good majority are willing to get there, that may not be enough, right? So I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Like I've, I mean, the fact that they, they've agreed, or at least the plan is to meet every day for the next six days, mm-hmm. that has to signal that progress is to be it would appear that it would appear that yeah. they are trying but that being said 
if you're agreeing to talk, but you're only agreeing to talk about specific sort of stances that are non-starters, right, what does that really do? I don't know. So I don't know. That That's why I'm saying, you know, you're kind of viewing this all from afar and you kind of have to interpret it any any which way you would like. Um but that's that's where we are. It's it's still it's it's still not very great. Um, yeah, I, th- I you know, and honestly, it's it's like partially for me. It's like pretty easily summed up. I I when I speak to my mom on the phone, she always asks, and she's like, "Is there any baseball news? Like, what's going on?" I saw that they met, like, and I always just have to be like, "No," you know, <laughs> like I could tell you the little tidbits, but it doesn't matter. Like the answer is no. Like there's not an agreement. So technically the answer is no, there's no baseball, that, that's what it is. And I think that's, you know, sort of I, probably representative of a lot of fans. And I've said this to you guys before, and I've certainly said it to you, Brennan, I don't care about this stuff. I, 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 as I've said from the beginning, I'm on the player's side, I'm totally fine with them holding out until they get what they deserve. There's a lot of things in these agreements that are very skewed towards ownership um, and, so I'm on the player's side, but that doesn't mean that I'm super in, intrigued or interested reading about these labor negotiations, right? Like this isn't what I follow a sport for, and I don't think it is for many of you listening. So just reading this every day and this being kind of what the sport of baseball is reduced to at the moment, it, it just yeah. is, yeah, it gets well, it's kind it of gets draining on a daily basis. Well, yeah, I mean, it's draining for us, and we f- watch this sport every day, and we follow it every day. Now, you, you apply that to a casual fan; they have no idea what's going on. Because, like, why would you even tune into this? I forgot who it was, but I, I read something interesting. Given the state of sports media and the rise in gambling, like ba- baseball is taking a step back. We where you have a higher focus on. You know, the NFL, the Super Bowl, NBA, the All-Star Game, that's ticking up. Gambling is becoming more prominent. And baseball doesn't even have their players' faces on their website. There's no talk about the sport. So you're missing, and this this is now the third straight season, entering the third straight season without a confident start date of having a full stadium, Corey. Like this, this is this is just not good. So I don't think you can accurately project what the consequences of this lockout are five plus years from now, ten plus years from now. And we already knew the demographic of baseball was trending older. Uh, it's just it's it, it makes me very unsettled. And I, I mean, I forgot who it was again today, but someone even suggested, why is there even a commissioner's office at this point? Like, what is even the purpose of this? So that that's, there's the immediate problems with this, but then there's the long-term problems. And I can understand when people say, hey, well, let's just watch football. Let's just watch basketball. Because like, I'm myself watching more of that now. And my, like me, myself, I'm tuned out of baseball because there's nothing there. So is the casual fan going to go back to that? Yeah. I don't know, man. I've I don't, been curious I don't about that. It. We've we've sort of ruminated on that before, and I I genuinely don't know the answer. Like, if and I I think I've used this comparison before, uh, so I apologize for that. But like, I've I'm not super into basketball, but if I was a, a a sports fan in Chicago that watched all the major sports, I'd be sinking my teeth into the Bulls right now. They're a top, I think, three seed in the East, and I wouldn't be worried about it, right? Like, I know a lot of people that watch every, you know, they're Bears fans, they're Bulls fans, they're Hawks fans, they're Cubs or Sox fans, right? They're, you know, they're on everything. And, you know, like, why why bother, right? You're going to read about these labor negotiations while DeRozan is dropping 40 points a night? Like, I would just tune out. Plus, with like all the difficulty trying to even get games, right? There's another side to this too, mm-hmm. yeah. where it was hard to watch Cubs games for the past what is it, a year and a half, two years, and there's reports about the Sinclair company, you know, charging an eighteen dollar fee so you can watch Cubs games beyond the blackout rules, and you have MLB blacking out games. It's like it's so much effort to watch a game that is losing its luster to yeah, young fans. Yeah, it's not fans. a good combo of. It's really it's difficult, yeah. and then on top of that, you're not even in the conversation. It like feels like. Like, it's not dying. I don't want to be hyperbolic. But, like, it does feel like it could go down a slippery slope here. 
Yeah, perhaps. I mean, I, you know, for all intents and purposes, they pick things up. Opening day is on, and you know, maybe a lot yeah. of casual fans don't care. They're just like, oh, baseball's back, great. Um, but you'd have to figure that this has some effect, right, of just turning people no, off and just effect. kind of uh, maybe dampening how much they they put into it or pay attention to it or whatever. But that will remain to be seen. Something that does dawn on me on a daily basis, though, is I get a lot of reminders um, from the various social media apps or like my iPhone photo gallery or anything like that of what we're missing right now, which is spring training content. And I'm, I'm mad about it, right? And I know a lot of people maybe don't care about that or they, they don't care about spring training games in particular. But I know, you know, uh, people like you who, you know, still has family in Arizona and likes to go to the backfields and go to the spring training games and, and all that stuff. I mean, a lot of people plan vacations around that, go get autographs, that whole deal. But even just like looking through my camera roll, like, you know, I was looking at the photos of when, uh, Anthony brought Kevin to camp, I think it was two (laughs) years ago. And Kevin had his own jersey and that whole thing. Like, that was this week a couple years ago, you know. And so that's this type of silly stuff that maybe only a certain segment of each fan base cares about. But, you know, that's that's the stuff that you're missing. And I think it just speaks to your point about, like, people kind of just, like, finding other stuff to do, you know, because, like, that's what I was doing on this day or, you know, I think it was, like, five days ago, whatever – Two years ago, that's what I was doing. I was freaking out about Kevin Rizzo in a Cubs jersey. That's how I spent yeah. uh, probably far too long <laughs> of of whatever day that was. And, you know, now I'm doing something else, right? Yeah. Well, it's it's the quantity of content, too. There's a huge void right now. The fact, like, you can make fun of the, you know, those pictures and how they're insignificant. I know you posted another picture of, of John Lester and Rizzo, yeah. like, laughing it out. How many times have we seen that shared on social media? Right. I'm talking, you know, hundreds of thousands of shares. And so that that is a platform for disseminating your product. And so yeah. you're losing content that has lasting effects for years. So th- this is a it's, it's, it's a significant blow. It's disappointing too. Like, I mean, I can fill my time watching minor league backfield content, which I do. And thankfully, there are good follows on Cubs Twitter who do put out content for that. But but you're missing the larger fan base. And the larger fan base will always come back when there's quantity of content that's not there whatsoever right now. Yeah, it's... Uh, uh, fun stuff. Yeah, I know. I know. It's, it's not great. But uh, yeah, I, 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 I think that the more ardent, you know, diehard fans are the ones that are more affected by this. But yeah. It's, no, but that's my it's, point though, Corey, is it's, it's, that is true. But when you take away the content, even like the casual fan who dips in and dips out, they're not going to get pinged with like all those retweets of that right. type of silly content. Yeah, you're not so in I the conversation. You, you put that yeah. well. Yeah. You're yeah, not in the exactly. conversation in, in terms of the sports None. landscape well you are it's just you know you're only appealing to maybe like economics and finance majors um who Not understand us. all the, the the you know little details of of labor negotiations and stuff like that i'm sure there are people out there who are really into this right it's very, very interesting to them um Ugh. Yeah, yeah, not not me. <laughs> um, that was a well-timed yawn. So, yeah. yeah so that's that's kind of where that is. But yeah, I, I you know I'm starting to feel that void of like, oh man, like I wish there was spring training. You know, I, the games I don't think we're supposed to start yet, but soon. Um, but you know, just missing that content and, you know, like a a good example, like it didn't work out, but you also miss like some of this little stuff and like, we'll see they, you know, they have to do a certain level of spring training just for like the player's safety and like getting teams the opportunity to play with each other and all that other stuff. Um, so there'll be something, but like those kind of like down days where it's just a little bit of hitting, maybe pitchers doing PFPs, stuff like that. Like that is fun for the fans. And I think back to last year and it didn't work, obviously, the the actual like, you know, way the move played out. But like, I just think about like how interesting it was as a fan to watch uh, Jake Arietta when he showed up and the relationship that he was forming with Albert Alzali, right? 
and how we were kind of observing that on a daily basis. And then we would hear in the interviews with like the beat reporters, what they had talked about, the different pitches that Alzali was working on and where the kind of thought process came from. And like, that's the type of stuff that you aren't getting right now. And now you may only get like an abbreviated version of that. And that stuff is fun and and it helps the fans die hard or casual get to know the players and it, you know you you almost think about it spring training in some ways at least is like setting up a storyline for a tv show right the tv mm-hmm. show being the regular season and spring training kind of helps you like get the the storyline the narratives the little things to watch the relationships um stuff you're looking for and and obviously it all boils down to the games but i do feel like this this month and a half usually does sort of set the table obviously for the season and the fans and the team and and kind of bringing that all together before it really yeah. starts on opening day well it's it's hard too for this specific cups team who doesn't have that much time together like they only played a few months after the trades went down last deadline so even for this specific roster at this point, it's about iterations. It's about forming those types of like relationships and adjusting successfully because you have those relationships intact with your coaches, your instructors, your teammates. We don't have that opportunity right now. So those iterations are going to be fewer. And maybe, I mean, maybe this current roster will adapt fast, but you do decrease your likelihood of, of adapting that fast. And that can mm-hmm. be said about other teams as well. But just dialing in on this younger, more inexperienced, unfamiliar group, in my mind, this is probably hurting the Cubs more than your average team. Not insurmountable. No, I think no that's means. fair. Yeah, but it's just mm-hmm. something to consider as well. It's not going to change negotiations, but just as a fan, like if you're thinking, oh, it's not that big of a deal, we'll have a three-week spring train. Well, like for, for, for me... In my mind, I think it could it could be a big deal because I for years, man. Like think about 2017, 2018, like when Lester was developing that changeup, and I remember a few starts he was throwing changeups once every three pitches, and he ended up relying on that pitch when he had success with the Cubs at the end of his career. And you think about Kyle Hendricks and his. Uh, reliance on his curveball that he eventually developed and his relationship with throwing higher fastballs and working on that during spring training. Those are opportunities to really add significant value to your entire game. And for those guys, it was instrumental in elongating their success and for Hendricks getting that type of contract. So this does really suck, even if there is a a shorter spring training. At this point, like it's already sort of lost. Again, not insurmountable, but it sucks, Corey. It just sucks. Yeah, and I baseball is obviously a a team sport, but one that is comprised of a lot of individual moments, uh, more so than you know basketball yeah. or football, right? And you know, you just wonder if this type of situation may benefit. I, I think that's kind of what you're saying, where where the Cubs may be at a disadvantage to a degree. Yeah. You know, teams that have been together longer and that don't have as much roster turnover and and there's just more continuity there be and you know t- players change teams all the time like they're they're professionals this is what they do so it's it's probably not super significant but you do wonder if like a team that's bringing back mostly the same uh you know 25 man or whatever roster is at more of a an advantage because there's just not as much for them to there's it's, not as much coming together dude, that that yeah. needs to be that needs to be done. You know, you also look at the Cubs, they have a, a, a new coaching staff, right? And so you're <laughs> yeah, delaying yeah. how long those coaches can start to work, at least in the physical presence of these players and stuff like that. So yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I, don't, I, I don't necessarily expect that to be wildly significant, no. right? But, I, you know, there, there may be something there, a team that's, that's bringing back a lot of the same players, a lot of the same coaches. There's just less, less to do. To, it's, it's, to, to come together and start the season and get on the same page and all that other stuff. I mean, like, it's just iterations. I'm like, like doing hand motions in circles here. It's like, it's like a computer, right? It needs a lot of types of input. It needs to fail, 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 correct, correct, correct. And for other teams, like older teams, uh, they already have gone through that process. And with the Cubs, they're not doing that. But I was thinking, is there consequences of, let's say, Jason Hayworth saying, hey, 
I'm going to go down to this high school. I rented out the high school field. I'm going to put you guys up in these rooms, whatever, comp your stays if you can't afford it. Can these guys get together? I don't. That, I, I think the players can do whatever they want. I think they just can't they just go to the team facilities. They may be doing it. Just if like they were doing it, I don't expect something. them to tell us. I mean, that'd be great if they were. I know Ian you know, Stroman shows right some now. of his workouts and stuff like that. I think Ian Happ does too, but I, you know, I, I don't, don't think I don't Stroman's know. in Arizona, is he? Can you tell? I think I he was the other day. Yeah. All right. Well, that's interesting. I think he so posted he... a Instagram story that was to that effect. I mean, why would he be in Arizona so soon? Right. Hmm. Gotta look into it. I don't know. They, and this is one of those things again, like, you know, you just don't know, but yeah, I mean, I would assume they're not completely disconnected. Let's put it that way. Um, yeah. I'm also curious is did do you have like a word of the day calendar that iteration was on or why I use it like a thousand times I think so. yeah. <laughs> I'm like I'm hung up on it though cuz like it is it is it is true far be it from me I I feel like I repeat myself a lot but Yeah what's that one word you use again juxtaposition. your favorite word Yeah juxtaposition yeah. you love that word yeah Anyway, uh, welcome to the vocabulary portion of the, uh, <laughs> No that's that's what a lockout does to us um so anyway that's where we are. So yeah, there's a lot to think about there. We're, we'll keep our eye on that and, and see where all of that goes as they continue to talk every day, but do kind of want to get into some of the you know, potential free agent stuff. And w- one thing that comes to mind, so there was a report that was going around today, Brendan, about Freddie Freeman uh, and that it, I, I think the wording of the report was that there is a growing belief that he will not re-sign with the Braves. And this isn't this is Freddie Freeman specifically isn't a Cubs related topic because I, I don't think that's something that they explore. Uh, but like the Braves better get as much flack as the Cubs got if Freddie Freeman signed with another team because all I heard from the national media and even still was the Cubs traded their core. They didn't extend anybody. They traded all these guys, right? And the Braves didn't trade Freddie Freeman. They kept him. They won a World Series, right? But the Cubs won a World Series with Baez, Bryant, and Rizzo too. So I'm just saying, like, if Freddie Freeman signs with, like, the Yankees because the Braves wouldn't give him the right offer, I better (laughs) see the Atlanta Braves getting reamed by Ken Rosenthal, <laughs> all these types, because I've I've heard it about the Cubs. Well, it's not going to happen. And partially deservedly so, right, for the Cubs. We've talked about that a million times. But, like, that would be insane for them to do that. I, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, these teams do it all the time, right? Like, you think about pools. I just want a level playing ago. field, Brendan. Like, I just want You're the not Atlanta gonna Braves get it, man. dragged You're through not the mud like the Cubs were. That's it. I- what if we just signed Freddie Freeman instead? That way we get best of both worlds. We get the Freddie Freeman news coverage for the Cubs and against, you know, slamming the Braves. How about that? I hey, I mean I'm I'm into it. Um I don't it's not gonna happen, but I'm into you it. You never know. If he goes for like one forty, you know, I could see it happening. Why don't the Cubs just sign Correa and Freeman? Now we're talking. And like Chris yeah. Bryan too. Like Chris <laughs> Bryan may not be that expensive after all. You know? Right. <laughs> I'm just saying. Yeah, I, I think that's the plan from here. Jed should just explode over whatever the new luxury tax is and just build a super team. That's the easiest plan, right? Yeah, let's do it. I mean, like Chris Bryant in th- at third base. Bryant, Castellanos, Correa. Let's go. Friedman. Could you imagine that? Could I you said imagine Friedman that? because that's my own last name. Friedman, no, that's the, I meant. That, no, what's well, yeah, Do not I mean, sign me. You don't want me. Well, for a bad boy, maybe. You could be a good bad boy. Yeah, I did it for the Schomburg Flyers a couple of times. Did you really? Yeah, I hated it. Wait, weren't you a bad boy when you were like eight years old for the Cubs or something like no, that? No, I won the WGN Celebrity Bat Kid contest. That did not actually include being the bat boy. So what did you do? I got to meet the players before the game. And, and that was it? Uh, I was on WGN. There's a tape of it somewhere, but my I've asked my dad, but we haven't been able to find it because who knows? Like it's It's like a VHS that's labeled. Who knows? Um, hold on, hold on. We got we got to stay on that though. Like, what was I, like? Trust your... me, I'd I'd love to find it. It was, and I remember when we filmed it. We're like on the field at Wrigley Field, yeah. and they're like, "We're just gonna Len Casper's gonna read your names." And it was me and this girl, and they're like, "Just just wave at the camera because like that's what we're gonna show when Len is reading your names and talking about this." And I, you know, I don't, I don't, I think I was like fourteen or fifteen at the time. Or thirteen? No, I don't old, remember you how. You were older. Long we were do- I thought you were a younger kid. No, I think it was. Uh, 
2005. Okay. I think. Jason Dubois was on the team, so it's got to be somewhere around there, right? Um, And I just remember it it seeming like it was an hour that we were waving at this camera, like to the point where like we were like looking at each other like, do they want us to keep waving? Like how long (laughs) could they possibly show us waving and smiling to this camera? But it was cool. I got to talk to Mark Pryor, you know, so that was pretty cool. Hmm? What'd you say to him? He was hurt, so I told him that I hoped he feel he felt better. Oh, that's 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 actually a, a very sad. I memory. was trying to be nice. I know, but like he damn. like came up through the tunnel, like with the towel on his arm. It was like oh, a whole thing. No, the towel. Yeah, I know. <laughs> the towel. I know. I mean, I feel like he could have been more positive. Like get I, I better. Said I, I wanted him to feel better. That's what I really wanted. I know, but you're just re- you're, you, it's just a reminder that he's injured. I don't know. Yeah, I'm sure he had forgotten. You could say like you're looking good today or something. I don't know. Am I hitting on him? Maybe. <laughs> yeah. I could have. Um, <sighs> I digress. Um, yes. Uh, anyway, I don't want to be the bad boy for the Cubs. It's it's not that fun. No. And I also don't have the attention span for it. I learned that when I was doing it for the Flyers, is that like you can't space out like watching a baseball game, which is pretty easy to do. Oh, man. Especially independent league baseball. And then, you know, the umpire has to, like, snap his face. Hey, like, I, I oh, need dude. balls, you know. I mean, you, you know I used to run the, oh, uh, the, the scoreboard during spring training at the uh, Giant Stadium, right? Yeah. Scottsdale Stadium. Yeah. Like, I got in trouble so many times. There was there was one instance. I mean, I was terrible at this, but I was watching the uh, Cubs-Giants. Uh, it was a Sunday night broadcast. So I have, like, John Miller to the left of me, like Casper, JD. I'm running the scoreboard, and I'm messing up, like, every other pitch and then my uh, my fantasy baseball draft is like in the seventh inning so i'm drafting my team and doing a scoreboard at the same time dude the the umpire i swear to god probably talked to someone after the game because he kept turning around flashing the signs like i i, I at this point i was using the broadcast which was two pitches behind to catch up on my own pitch count so you know i did yeah. not get invited to go back the next year so i can't it's you know, it's can't a lesson that, that- Working in baseball means you have to be dialed in for yeah, I can't do every single pitch and like what's going on, which like no. seems which easy, I am, but no, I am, but like uh, I'm not in the way of putting it up on the scoreboard, so right, know, it's yeah. a problem. I also didn't move one time when there was a foul pop because um, I couldn't I mean, see what it. Do you mean. Where I just you? didn't, I didn't see where it was, and I think the catcher was close to me, and I probably was supposed but, to move. But where were you on the field, like as, as a bat boy, as yeah, a bat boy, like, yeah. But I'm just saying, get out of like, the way, Corey. Even yeah. if you can't see the ball, the catcher's common. Go in the dugout. That's common sense. Uh, like, listen, like, you know I never played. Like I don't know what's I, going I mean, on. I'm trying to read it obvious. off the bat. I'm doing the best I can. You know. Uh, look at us now, just recording podcasts during the lockout. Yeah, there's. This was our destiny. It's not a wonder that I'm not employed by a baseball team anymore. Yeah. Oh well. Anyway. That uh, very, yeah. I also like how we we really can derail any conversation into quickly oh, lamenting like Mark Pryor's health. It, it's it's really easy for us to do. Well, that one was your fault. So. I know, but like I wish we could get paid for that. Like how quickly, like it's a skill. <laughs> like Brendan and I can come ruin your party in like thirty seconds if <laughs> yeah, you let we, us. We we talk about let's sign the Castellanos, you know, Freeman, mm-hmm. Chris Bryant. Oh, by the way, Mark Pryor with his towel yeah. drills. Do you remember that? Ten seconds. Are later. you having a positive baseball event? Oh, you can hire Brendan and I to ruin it really quickly. Uh, you have no idea how quickly we can be talking about the two thousand and six Cubs. No we're idea. So, we're so pathetic. <laughs> <laughs> we yeah. are we're pathetic people. We are. Um and we like <sighs> to spread our misery around. It's but fair. I wanted to look, there was a, a good article on fan graphs, um, taking a look at it, just kind of where things are and, and kind of trying to predict the contracts of some of the, the free agent hitters that are out there. So I, I was curious to look at, at some of them and maybe just talk about them from a, a Cubs-related context, because a, a few of them would be names that hypothetically the Cubs would be considering. And and the first the first prediction uh, is Correa to the Angels for seven years, $240 million a year. So, like, immediately to me, that feels like the type of move, like, if that's what he agrees to, I'm going to be a little confused as to, like, what 
what all those rumors were that had the Cubs involved because we heard that they didn't want to go 10, right? That was something that came out. And with all of these rumors, right, who knows if any of it, Jed Hoyer could come out and be like, we never talked to Carlos Correa. This was never happening. You guys made that up, right? Who knows? But like seven years sounded more like what they were actually interested in. So that would be the type of deal where if, if he's willing to take lesser years, I would hope that the Cubs are willing to make the move. Yeah, I if he doesn't get more than three hundred, I I'd be shocked. I mean, we just saw Juan Soto, you know, different context, but he just denied I think three hundred and thirty mil over over ten years. So you know, Correa's market is absolutely aiming for at least, in my mind, like three fifty. If the Cubs don't get him at two seventy, that's that's a huge problem. But I think in general, these projections tend to aim a little bit lower, but also you have this huge degree of uncertainty about what teams can afford. If there's a shortened season, does that affect the market for some teams who may not be able to afford guys on these like one-year window type deals, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah, it, it'll it'll be interesting, but I, you know, it's, it's uh, just something to consider. So, Looking at some of the others, um, he's got Trevor Story going to New York, the Yankees, 5-130. And all the rumors we heard with Carlos Correa and the Cubs and the Cubs' desire to improve their position at shortstop, Story's not a name that they've been connected to. It, it doesn't seem like something that they're interested in. I think he's had some arm troubles uh, in the past, and it just hasn't come up. In, in a lot of those rumors, but just for a comparison of another shortstop, that was the one uh, that he's got in there. And then this is just a prediction, but, you know, Fangraphs is a good source. So I think, you know, some, and, and there's no baseball, so it's just something to talk about. But uh, this is just one of those scenarios. And, and this, okay, so silver lining, right, to baseball being in a lockout is that we don't have to confront where some of these guys go. And one example of that is this article, now that you assume uh, the DH is involved, he's got Schwarber to the Brewers. No. Brendan, I can't I can't no. handle that. Can they even afford him? They probably can't, right? Sometimes they spend money, but usually not. But like, here's the thing. Well, what's the deal on that? Do you have it in front of you? 480, so 20 a year. That seems kind of high. I don't know about that. But the, the point, though, <laughs> is that like... It's one thing to watch these players go elsewhere, but watching him in a Brewers uniform not only would be just horrifying, but you know, Brendan, he would hit a thousand against the Cubs. They play them 16 plus times a year. Mm -hmm. He would hit a million home runs and he would drive in every run in those series. You just know it. It's, it's like that, it's like that first time that, uh, Aloy played at Wrigley, right? Oh. And he hit the homer. You knew, you knew that that's what was going to happen. Like it, that walk-off it, homer, right? I think it was a walk-off homer. No, this was at Wrigley. Oh, you're right. What am I thinking? It was a, it was like a ninth-inning homer, though, wasn't it? I don't know. I think it was off okay. Pedro, but it, it doesn't matter. It, it put them ahead. Yeah, it, it was significant. But yeah. it's like one of those things where it's like sometimes sports feel as though they're scripted television because it's like, yeah, duh, right? Like, obviously, this is what's going to happen. So this is kind of what scares me about some of the this free agency stuff, is like, you just know if Kyle or any of these guys go to the Brewers, the Cardinals, it, it, the Pirates, for that matter, it doesn't matter. If they play the Cubs enough, they will kill them. I'm sure of it. I mean, I'm just thinking about Chris Bryant going to one of those teams. What if he goes to Milwaukee? What if he goes to the Cardinals? Brendan. I'm just, you You opened it up, oh, Corey. How dare you, op- you? You opened it up. Like that's just where my brain goes. You cannot do this to me. This is your fault. Oh man. I mean delete this episode. We're done. <laughs> this is the last yeah, episode. Yeah. No, that that's the thing. I I mean I'm serious. Like the the silver lining to all of this is that it's put a pause on us having to deal with more emotional trauma from the sport that we claim to love. I mean the Cardinals can't afford them, right? Like they're done. Like, I have to look at their... I, I don't know. Who knows, right dude? Uh, I mean, the solution here is just to sign them back, right? Sign sign everyone. back. Yes. Yeah. They I can't mean, hurt us if they're on the team. Listen, well, Schwarber for well, 80 mil? Like, what's, what's Chris Bryant's number on there? Is he on that list? 
Yeah, so in this article, he's got KB four years, ninety million to the Blue Jays. Now, the fr- I, I can't see that. I, like, part of that is just mean? that um, you know, through Evan Altman and, and Cubs Insider, we've had the ability to talk to Mike Bryant, and you know, he's just been interviewed in Chicago media and all that. And I, like KB, like living in another country after he just had a baby, like with him and Jess's families all living in Las Vegas. I don't know the man personally, so obviously I could be speaking out of turn here, but like that, I just don't see that. That's really far and in a different country. I'm okay with it. Like from my selfish It's inoffensive to us, yes. Very inoffensive, so I'm okay with it. But like, have a a good roster, a very good young roster. Oh, yeah, they would. It Um, makes sense from the Blue Jays' perspective. But I don't know. That just that's like a wild transition um I don't know it's just like every time you hear about him it, it feels like he's like trying to sign with one of these teams out west or something like that well I mean if we hear Seattle all the time right right so, that makes a lot more sense to me which again yeah. is very inoffensive so but if he wants to go there I'm fine anyway yes yeah the in- inoffensive AL teams specifically are great yeah sure yeah, do whatever you want sign wherever I don't care yeah if though I will say though right like Four years, ninety million. That's going to be a tough pill. If we don't sign Chris Bryant for four years, ninety million, yeah. I, I will not be Bank. able to wake up the next yeah. morning. Like that's going to be it for me. And, and if like, Rizzo- I, I think that would certainly be a product of some of this strange market, um, of and course. and and just where all you know baseball is, of course. But like that would be one of those things Dude. where then you're going to wonder. And if, again, it's not a linear thing, so it doesn't work like this. But like you're going to wonder, what, like what could they have extended him for? Then uh, if he's signing four years, ninety million. What could they have just kept him for? Right? Yeah, I mean he's going to get more money than ninety mil. But I'm also thinking too, if that's the case then the projected market for both Rizzo and KB might be like under $140 million. <laughs> They may not bring bring both those guys back for a total sum of 140 How amazing would that be? That 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 would kill me too. Yeah. You got to bring him back. Yeah. You got to bring Chris Bryant back if, for that price. If that's the price. I mean, four years? I mean, I was expecting 150 from KB. Just because of that positional flexibility, his contact rate is pretty good. I know like people are concerned about his aging profile, but I don't think that's really that fair. Like ninety, Corey, I'm telling you right now, like we 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 talk about this, but Chris Bryant like might make sense financially for this team. He's the perfect fit for this team. I would not rule it out. Yeah, I just would not rule it out. I don't. know. I'm being serious, man. I as I've said before, I really I really just hope that this presents an opportunity that. Jed and Carter can take advantage of and at least make further movement toward the team being competitive, which is what they talked about. Is it weird saying Jed and Carter? Like, I'm always like shocked when I hear Carter when you say it. I'm like so, con- like, I'm so conditioned to say Jed and Theo or Theo and Jed. It's just, I can't do it right now. Like, Did Carter's an afterthought. Double check on Google to make sure that I knew the right name to read. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. Uh, but this is not <laughs> you guys can be the judge of that maybe or maybe <laughs> yeah. i knew it off the top of my head i don't know this is an opportunity for him though i mean even uh the same can be said about like correa for 270 right like we talked about this the last few episodes but the cubs assuming they will spend close to that luxury tax they're gonna have like 80 million dollars of of wiggle room so even if they want to go into the season like 30 mil under the tax in case they anticipate some type of competitiveness and they can add to the deadline, you're still able to spend on like several players, like several high quality right. players. It, Even, it, it, that, that's what I mean. It's just going to be super disappointing if like the Cubs don't really do much and yeah. and they maybe they, they will, something. like I don't know, but it, no, it just, th- this really seems to be presenting an opportunity where at least some guys are going to fall into their lap. Yeah. It, not necessarily just to sign with them, but to be at the terms that they're interested in, right? Which, like, Jed has yeah. said this, right? And, like, it feels like it's setting up for that to be possible, right? Like, you know, you, you hope that some guys present in a situation where you can sign them under the terms that you want. It really feels like we might see that. And I hope that that wasn't all just talk and that they actually um, continue to capitalize on situations like that like they did with Marcus Stroman. 
Yeah, when we heard Jed talk about free agency before the the lockout, there were a few interviews, appearances where the positional side of the market didn't seem to be talked about much. And you, you don't want to read into anything because there's two ways to look at it. The first way is, well, you don't want to like give out what you're thinking. Um, and that's, you know, that's probably the likely reason he's not saying that. Or the other reason is they're not going to add to that positional group. I don't think that's possible given how much money you have. But Judd did say that looking after relievers, like getting veteran relievers in this bullpen might be a priority. Just with the uncertainty with, you know, Manny Rodriguez and Cody Hoyer and those guys. So I, they're going to be making moves regardless and we could be coming away, especially with the DH now, with like several, several players. If these small market teams just don't have the ability to to outspend in these shorter windows, especially if we are losing games, man. If we lose a few April games, that has to have an effect on these smaller market teams that might even be considering some of those guys in the bullpen. You know? Yeah. So we shall see. Uh, you know, there's there's also the bargaining chip on the table. Like you never know. Um, it's it's one of the players' biggest bargaining chips with like expanded playoffs and stuff like that. Obviously, you know, not the worst thing in the world given the Cubs' current position. If you're if you're trying to live up to Jed's uh, sort of off-season goal or promise, however you want to view that, of keeping the team competitive in the short term but not sacrificing the long term, well, it would certainly help if more teams make the playoffs, right? Yeah. So that may also change the calculus depending yeah, on how those neg- negotiations yep. go. But I, I, I think that's all we have for you. So I, I think the hope is that uh, when we speak next, you know, there will be significant movement here as hopefully they continue to speak for hours at a time and uh, hope to get things done so that we can keep the season on track to open uh, for opening day as scheduled. Uh, but if something happens and we, we reach a deal or talks are done or something like that, we'll, we'll get back on and talk to you guys. Uh, but other than that, again, we appreciate you sticking with us uh, as the sport has been in a lockout for, what, three months, four months, whatever it is. feels like a year at this point. But uh, we will be here to talk about whatever next time. So hopefully there is uh, baseball looming. But either way, we appreciate the support, and we will talk to you soon. As always, go Cubs.